every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Andrea Terrell, CEO of Circante, making marketing and sales teams wildly successful on the Salesforce platform. In this episode, Andrea shares what organizations should be thinking about in their marketing when it comes to AI, how companies have overused marketing automation, and why the focus of AI should be on process, content, and technology. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Andrea Terrell, CEO of Circante, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. I am so excited to have you on stage today here at the Pipeline Summit at Dreamforce. How are you? Doing well. How are things with you? It's great to have you. Great to be chatting marketing. Great, great to be chatting Salesforce and all the cool stuff you're doing. So let's get started. First, tell us a little bit about your role. So I'm Andrea Terrell. I'm the CEO and founder of Circante. We specialize in making marketing teams successful on the Salesforce platform. So I do a lot of working with customers, talking to new prospects who are considering Salesforce's Marketing Cloud products, among many other things. Yeah, what type of customers does Circante have? So we're all across the board. I'd say we we slant maybe 80% B2B and focus mostly on customers with considered purchases. So things that require some back and forth with a sales rep, a little bit of research and a little bit longer time to to buy. And a lot of so a lot of on the B2B size side, a lot of Pardot. Yeah, Pardot. We also see plenty of marketing cloud, either alongside Pardot or depending on the skill of the organization in lieu of Pardot. And then what are sort of like within within those companies when they come to you, what's sort of the the, the burning desire that they, they come to Circante with? There's a whole, I could probably come up with a, like the top dozen, but <laughs> all, in the interest of time, I'll give you like the top three. The first is probably marketing ROI. So being able to report on what they're doing that's actually contributing to revenue. The second is helping their sales teams prioritize. So marketing's working really hard to generate leads, but how does sales know who's qualified, who they should call first? We spend quite a bit of time doing that. And then the third thing we're starting to get a lot of questions about is like, what should we be doing about AI? Like, Hmm. it's all we're hearing on the stage at Dreamforce. Like, what should organizations of my size or my flavor be thinking about when it comes to AI? Let's go there first. What should they be thinking about when it comes to AI? Yeah, I I think marketers should think about it similar to how they've been thinking about automation. So thinking about what are the processes in their businesses that are not improved by their sales and marketing team members spending a lot of time on it. So in the CRM and marketing automation space, like some very common use cases are like things like lead routing. So coming up with an if-then type of logic to say, okay, leads in this industry or leads in this geo are going to this person. Like looking at at those types of functions and how can AI make that better? 
With generative AI, the idea that AI is going to write emails for us, generate content for us, I think a great way to think about that is like, what is sort of the non-value added part that we can start having the machine do for us so that humans have the role of finessing, spending time on the, like, the highest potential items and really doing what they do best. And zooming out for a second, how do you think about your marketing strategy and how you acquire customers? Yeah, so it, as part of our marketing strategy, I mean, our our main the main channel that we consult around is email. So unsurprisingly, we do a lot of email internally. We also do quite a bit of event marketing. So getting out at events like Dreamforce, meeting customers there, and then content marketing is our other big one. So lots of blog content, webinars, thought leadership. Because obviously you're selling exclusively within the like Salesforce ecosystem, which is very very vast and also very unique. How does that sort of like play into your strategy specifically, like only targeting, you know, Salesforce customers or people like that? How do you like identify that, that need or that demand? Yeah. So, I mean, in the greater world, it's a, it's like a, a pond within that. But as you know, the Salesforce ecosystem is, is big. So there's more than enough customers that we can possibly work with. But it's, it's usually about like the content that we're putting out there. Like what can we share that helps our target audience find us. And then everything else seems to sort itself out. Yeah, what are some of those things that you've seen that really resonated? Honestly, the hands-on tactical content we share a lot of. So not just sort of theoretically, like how would a business approach marketing automation, but more like I'm struggling with this exact problem. How can I solve this from a technical perspective? Our team does a lot of solution write-up saying like, okay, like, here are the buttons that we pushed and here's the code that we created. And our audience finds that right away and knows that that's something special and different. So so it's just like hyper-technical. Yeah, I mean, some of it is. Some of it's more technical than others, but I would say it's hyper-use case focused. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, like a specific problem that we're solving for a business. That's fascinating. And then within the, those like personas, how do you sort of like filter that stuff is like, hey, this is for a type of person in a type of role and then this, this job that they need to do and or this like moment in time or whatever? Yeah, yeah, we do a bit of that. I mean, in some of the smaller businesses that we work with, it's one marketer wearing a lot of hats. So mm-hmm. wearing an admin hat, a developer hat, a business user hat. In larger organizations, they have whole teams that are focused on some of these sub-functions. So yeah, depending on sort of the level of content, it can be more specialized than others. And how do you create that stuff? Our team, we've, cre- we've created a, a huge culture around information sharing. Mm-hmm. So one of our core values is generosity. So the idea that if you're getting something or achieving something, looking at how do you share that with other people and bring other people along on the journey. So it's just, it's a culture that we built. Every single person on our team contributes to our blog content. Everybody's kind of keeping an eye out for like what, solution. We have a a Slack channel called Show and Tell where we're just sharing cool things that we're building for customers. So it's kind of ingrained in who we are. Oh, that's awesome. And because so many different people are, you know, working with other marketing teams, I'd imagine you're sharing best practices and pulling different things and seeing things that are working and being able to source some of that stuff in a way that, I mean, that's like one of the utilities of working you know, with someone like y'all where, yeah, you've probably seen every problem under the sun. And so therefore like, You've probably seen it before and you can easily sort of fix it. Yeah. And we also we also share pretty openly about what's not working. So if somebody's hitting a wall, they can't find a solution to the thing that they're trying to solve. We have a like very transparent culture where people people will just jump in and say, Hey, I've been 
hacking at this for two hours. I have no idea how to solve this. And then people will chime in and say, hey, did you look at this? Did you think about this? And it's amazing to watch like group problem solving live on Slack. Um, but that's also another another thing that is like pretty entrenched in our in who we are. It's crazy. We we try to do some of that stuff too. It's so hard though to like do that sort of problem solving on Slack. You're just like, we just can't on a call together <laughs> and all hammer through this. Any best practices there? So we're a fully virtual team and we, we were too. we were fully virtual before it was cool, before Me COVID. <laughs> and we have people in time zones from I think Belgium is our furthest east and California is our furthest west. So spanning eight hours of time. So we've just we've gotten really good at it. And there are definitely times where it's like, all right, we got it, we gotta just jump on a call. I would say the the most important times are when emotions start getting involved or people are misinterpreting what each other's saying. And at that point, that's where we cease to slack and it's like, okay, let's just talk it out. It's so hard figuring out tone. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Every single, I always have to remind our team, it's like, you know, don't attribute to malice yes. what what just might be, you know, someone being short with because yes. they're like cat is jumping on their keyboard, Brad. Or they're <laughs> or they're in line at Starbucks or they just they're texting while driving. Not that they should be doing that. But yeah, I a hundred percent agree. We we tell our team to like spend a little extra time like thinking about your tone when you're the one that's writing it. And then when you're on the receiving end, cut that person as much slack, no pun intended. About like how it's framed and just assume that they mean it in the best possible way and try not to read anything into it. That's great. Slack rules. Number one, cut them, cut, cut, cut everybody slack. some slack. <laughs> so switching back to marketing, what are your three uncuttable budget items? Ooh, that's a tough question. I would say content, which is a low budget channel, but not low budget in terms of time. Right. I would say events because building community and meeting people is really important to who we are. And then I was going to say digital for the third one, but that's a pretty big umbrella. So right. but I'd say website. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell me about your website and how you think about it. Yeah. So I, I think our website is the first place where people go to learn more about who we are. So it's a credibility check. It's kind of our place to summarize who we are, what we're all about, what we stand for. In more recent years, we've started to treat it a little bit less like a brochure and more as how do we turn this into an interactive lead gen vehicle for us? So thinking about like smart calls to actions, using tools like Qualified to help convert more of that website traffic, we're making we're making some big progress in that area. Shout out to Qualified. I mean, we're here at, at Dreamforce with Qualified at the Pipeline Summit. So who better to talk about? But yeah, no, I, I think that this is a big shift from marketers thinking about things being very static and being very like, hey, just go find information to being interactive to when someone comes to the site to be able to have a conversation right then and there. I mean, it's yeah. like a pretty big shift in your team. It's a pretty sh- big shift in thinking as um, you know, a mid-sized organization where you don't have unlimited resources. How do you think about like allocating time to those, those type of things to respond faster? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of marketers also used to think about a website as something that you built once, like you hired an agency to do yeah. it. It was a big project. Then it was done and dusted and you could kind of step away from it. We're taking a lot less of that approach and trying to be a little more on top of okay, this new thing is happening. Let's put a banner up. Look, this new thing is happening. Let's make sure we have a page for it. Um, and just moving a little faster with some of that. Do you find that when you are trying to, to be faster in terms of like response times, that 
you have to like staff the organization different or just like think about things. And the reason why I ask is we, we've been trying to implement that like five minute or less type, you know, instant response. Obviously things like Qualify let you, you know, yeah. communicate instantly, which is even better. But being able to have someone, you know, book meetings in real time, do stuff like that is so valuable. How do you think about just like speed as a currency and, and any best practices there? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, speed is huge. I mean, like we all know that like as individual consumers, when you're bopping around online looking for something, attention spans are so short. Like if you don't find what you're looking for, you don't get the answer that you need, you're on to the next thing. So yeah, trying to help people find what they're looking for is like, I feel like challenge number one. And then challenge number two is like, if they don't get the answer, making sure that they get pushed to a human as quickly as possible is a big deal. What do you feel like is next for marketing automation? Obviously, like so much of how we're communicating via email still works. A bunch of it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, what, what are some trends that you're seeing? Yeah, I still think personalization is a frontier that we haven't quite conquered yet. Yeah, we're nowhere close. Um, yeah, I mean, like you see some of the use cases on stage at Dreamforce about like some of the ways that big brands are using personalization. And I look at much of the market who's like still struggling to even do like first name, company name, much less like like more sophisticated use cases than that. But I think things like serving up the next best piece of content, the next best action for somebody to take, related products. I think there's a lot of potential there that's on, that continues to be untapped. I got an email earlier today from an organization that's sort of like an old school organization. And it was like, hey, Ian, you know, like we just did this thing, XYZ. And then like paragraph three was like, at Caspian Studios, I wonder, you know, if you're doing XYZ. And I was like, dang, look at y'all putting the company name three paragraphs in. I didn't know you had it in you. Like it's still yeah. like the bar is still yeah, so low. Yeah, very low. Yeah. And I think this is also kind of going back to the AI piece that we were talking about. I think this is going to be a big like separation of humans and the robots yeah. moment. Because I've been on the receiving end of a few emails lately that were very clearly written by AI. Yep. And it's like they just scraped random facts off the internet to like stuff into an email. And it's like, okay, that's that's not personalization. Like I know what press release you grabbed that from. And like that third fact is completely unrelated to my business. So like that's where I think the human element will still be preserved. Like maybe we can have AI do the first draft for us, but then we still need people to make it, make the magic happen. So I remember seeing, this was years ago before AI was anywhere near as sophisticated as now. And it was like AI could predict with like 85% accuracy, a picture of an elephant. And the person was like, well, a four-year-old can predict 100% accuracy <laughs> with, of what an elephant looks like. But, but I think that that is true with some of the marketing copy now where you're like, yeah, you're 85% right with this. But that extra 15% is the part where I'm like, that's my BS meter. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. so you're like, I see that instantly and I'm like, unsubscribe or, or whatever. So I think that you're right. If there is that little bit extra that an actual human can look at, and verify and do that little bit extra, then I think it's going to go a long way. I like that elephant anecdote. I'm yeah, going to borrow that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, my kid is two and he is just not at, not at 100% for seeing elephants. There's a lot of stuff where it's like this morning, you want to take the rhino with him to school. And I'm like, it's like elephant. I'm like, not an elephant. Close, close. But yeah. Both critically endangered. So I feel like he's on, he's on a good path there. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's part of the thing with AI is like we, it, it can't just be sort of 
one size fits all, every single problem, you know, every problem is a nail and you just hammer it with AI because you're just going to lose people. And again, we spent so, so, so much time and effort to get that person to subscribe to our stuff in the first place that like the last thing we want to do is to get them to unsubscribe because like you pulled the wrong fact off of a Wikipedia page. A hundred percent. Our marketing team's using AI for some some fun things. Go um, on. One of the one of the things that Sarah tried this week was um, we needed a Discord channel. Basically, like it's a dragon. Here's a picture of the stuffy that we're imitating, and like make it look like a Salesforce character. And now we have a beautiful sticker that's available at our booth. So that's well, and so like again, like even just referencing AI is like it's the biggest term ever. It means a million different things. Yeah. So even but AI like as it relates to marketing, again, extremely vast, whether it's design yeah. or video or, you know, whatever, there's infinite possibilities there. When it comes to writing copy, again, infinite possibilities there and inputs that you can put in. What I find, so I, I write our newsletter with the help of our marketing team. I shouldn't say I write it. Our marketing team writes it. And then I go back and, and rewrite sections that I want to write to add personal yeah. anecdotes. And so what I found is that when I get responses to our email newsletter, it's about all the personal stuff. It's about like my kid yeah. or something that we did or something that we tried or a personal photo. And like, per, I don't put a ton of that stuff on LinkedIn, like a photo of my kid or something like that. I'm not going to do that. But when I, it, if it is, if you subscribe to get my thoughts on stuff for the Caspian newsletter, I feel really comfortable putting that sort of stuff in there. And to me, that is not personalized to the person, but it allows them to understand who's writing yeah. it. One of the things that we've started doing for our blog posts is putting a header of who wrote it with the photos of like, this was written by this person. And edit. we have a funny thing that um, uh, Colin and our team came up with where it's like, this post was written by this person with an arrow, edited by this person, and this person kind of did nothing. And it's like a photo <laughs> of me. Um, so it's a photo of like all three of us. And it's just one of those things to be like, this wasn't written with AI. Yeah. This was written by real people in a way that if it's something that has information that you couldn't get anywhere else on the internet, that that is really valuable. So like we always thought about that like 80, 80, 20 rule with personalization where you'd see the like first paragraph personalized, middle section, not 80, or 20, yeah. or like I guess 10, 80, 10 on that. That I think that there's some of that that people could start doing with AI that's really exciting. But again, you need to actually do your research or to put personal anecdotes or things like that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's very humanizing to have like, Hey, here are the people who created this. And with how much has moved online, like remembering that there's like people behind the interactions and like people that are driving some of these things, I think is important and sometimes forgotten. And you, we can all spot the templates now a mile away, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) It's like, we know, we know what this is. We know what a sequence is. We know how to like split sequences. We know how to do like all this sort of stuff. Yeah, it's amazing how fast you can go through your, like your LinkedIn inbox and be like, oh, spam, 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 spam. Like just even like the shape of paragraphs or like if there's a Calendly link or like you can you can just you can spot it. Yeah, I mean, like I I'm at the point now where it's like when I want to reach out to like people that I like sort of know or in, in contact with, I it's like less than a sentence at this point. It's like a broken sentence and that's it because I'm like, I don't want them to see, you know, three or four paragraphs because I'm, A, I'm not going to read it and be like, they don't care. (laughs) Like they really don't. Uh, 
any other best practices that you're seeing in terms of copy or copywriting or things that you're putting in automations or that people are doing really well? This kind of goes back to something we already touched on, but I think authenticity is really important. So if you're going to take time to create content, make sure it's something you care about that is meaningful and not just sort of filler things that, cause I mean, people, people can feel that. And on the automation side, I would say like just taking time to thoughtfully think through like, what is the natural sequence of information that people need from your customer's perspective? So like if I were buying this product, like what are sort of the like logical things that I would need to follow? So many companies don't even do that. And that like, that's not even a very high bar. So the companies that are doing that are seeing results from it. Yeah. And so with that, like push to your best piece of content of all time, push to your best customer story of all time. I mean, my bias to this is like, just share as many other people talking as you yeah. can. It's like, hey, there's, this is what, you know, this person said, this is what Mora, the CMO of Qualified said, this is what, you know, to me personally, like, I, you know, we all look to our peers. I, I, I talked to a CMO one time and they told me that they will ignore a lot of stuff, but they will never ignore a referral from like, no matter, no matter what, if one of their friends refers them to something, even cold, he's like, I'll never ignore it. And I was like, what about if you saw your friend in like an ad or a piece of copies? Like I would read that every single time. That's and a I, great point. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, whereas like, do you care what Ian has to say on a random Wednesday? No. But do you care what like your friend that you worked with at a company five companies ago says about something that you haven't talked to in a while? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go, I'm gonna go click check on that, that out. ad and I'd be like, hey, what's this guy up to? Yeah. And I think that that is where you get a lot more value out of like those automations is to put other people's thoughts in there rather than your yeah. own. It's like, hey, did you know that our feature X drives 7X ROI to XYZ? It's like, nah, nobody cares. Like, hey, did you know that, you know, Craig, the CEO of Qualified said that this is the best thing since sliced bread? Like, that's pretty cool. It's like, or even better, like, here's a quote from Craig where he said, you know, XYZ. And like, that's the stuff that I think actually, and, and you don't need to put a preamble, you don't need to put anything in there, just like give the people what they want as quick as you can. Yeah, I think another thing too that I see marketers losing sight of is like consistently showing up and being there for like the long tail. Cause like we talk about right message, right time, right place. Like you could perfect your messaging and it's like just not the right moment for that person to hear it. So like continuing to like, send emails like every week or so and just stay in front of them by the time they get that referral it's like oh yeah i've heard of so and so like mm -hmm. they've been in my inbox or i'm not trying to make this a qualified commercial but like another thing that i think qualified is great for is like if you had an opportunity that kind of went away faded into the woodwork then they circle back around six months later you're not restarting the conversation or treating it like it's something cold you have all the data of like okay here's how they've interacted with us and you're you're in there at the moment that they're ready to finally engage with you. And that's that's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, it's a great point. So we work with with qualified on like, you know, on like recycle or pipeline acceleration yeah. type stuff. And like totally. And like the truth of the matter is like you could send that person an email every week, ready to buy, ready to buy, ready to buy. And they could say like, no, 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 no. Or you could provide like value-added content or information or stuff like that, you know, share stuff on social. Hopefully they see you there. Maybe follow them around with some funny ads, create some sort of artificial touches, invite them to events, do these sort of things. 
And then when they come back to their, you know, to your website, then it's like, bam, you're right there. The conversation is restarted again. That makes that customer or that prospect feel way better than if you just like banged on their door over and over again, which is super annoying. Even if you're like the nicest sales rep in the world, which like we struggle with this cast. We're like, Hey, you said to reach back out, just like checking in, you know, I don't want to be annoying. But like, that is where the rest of that, like that, you know, whether it's your warming or recycling or, or whatever sequence that you can put them in, that's cool. Like that stuff matters so much. And then you start the sales conversation right where it, right where it was. And like you said, they don't have to like requalify or go through a demo or go any of that stuff. Like just let's get back into it. Yeah, totally agree. Any other thoughts on on things that people are doing right or wrong as it relates to Salesforce or Marketing Cloud or Pardot or any stuff like that? Um, I guess one other thought on like the Salesforce, like Pardot, Marketing Cloud arena. I, mean, I think one continued challenge is like training and enablement and getting your teams ready to embrace new technology. Mm. And part of the reason why that's top of mind is like with all this talk of AI, there's going to be a whole like new sector of jobs that are created as a result of that. And getting people comfortable and adopting like things that are new is a muscle that I feel like all organizations need to start working out. So yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot this week. We're all going to be learning together. Oh yes. (laughs) And uh, never done. No, it really isn't. And I think, you know, everybody's a little scared, you know, on the marketing sales side, like, what does this mean for me? And and I think it's a great point that, you know, we're all sort of in wait and see mode of how this all, all ends up. Yep. Any other thoughts on sort of uncuttable budget items, marketing items, things you are, are loving right now, or your most cuttable budget items, things you're not going to be investing in? Oh, most cuttable budget items. My VP of marketing is like, don't cut my budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would say like the channels that we continue to invest in are all focused on community, growing our audience of people that are like our customers, like trying to stay as focused as possible. The things that we are steering away from are the things that feel a little bit more of like shotgun style, where it's like, we might reach some of our ideal audience. We might not like... Things that are untargeted are going to the bottom of the list. Random acts of marketing. Yes. I know. <laughs> Love if that it, phrase. Yeah. If it's not, I, I, I was told by one of my mentors, Chandar, the CMO of Koopa, and he always would talk about, you get three plays and that's it. It's like, you can run three. And it's like, you can't do any more because you can't do them well. And every single time I put a fourth and fifth play on our marketing stuff <laughs> and I'm like, and then those ones we don't run as well. And I'm like, gosh, I should have just, should have yeah. just stuck to three, but you know, but I think that it's important to run experiments and to look at things like that, as long as it's like integrated into your overall strategy. But yeah, those random acts, acts of marketing kill you. And I'm like the worst. I love, I just love marketing. So like trying this stuff, is like, <laughs> I always want to do it. Yeah. We've we've definitely fallen prey to the random acts of marketing sometimes where it's like we have an idea that we're really excited about. We invest in building it, but it's not really aligned with our audience. And so it gets abandoned or it gets under-resourced. And then, yeah, it's just not as good as we expect. But things that, that we've done that like are truly aligned with like what our customers want are the ones that we see having the most staying power. So like, for example, we created a conference called Mar Dreaming. Oh, it's, or, yeah, it's a little play on the like dream force and the marketing piece. But we started during COVID because like 
Dreamforce wasn't happening. That was a huge pipe gen event for us. And so we said, okay, what if we try to get people together on like Zoom and try to make it into like a whole thing? And it's kind of taken on a life of its own. But the reason that it's stuck is because like our audience is truly excited about it as an event. Like they love the content, they love the community. We we don't even really brand it as Circante. So a lot of people don't even know that we organize it. Um, but it continues to be a great sort of visibility and connection engine for us. I love it. That's awesome. Those type of events, they are worth their money in gold if they're done 100%, right. hundred percent, yeah. I, you know, going back to the North Star thing, and I truly believe that if your marketing strategy starts with community and what your customers want and figuring out ways to do that, whether it's events and getting them together, whether it's content, whether it's like the useful things that you're talking about, series, whatever it is, you're rarely going to stray into things that that don't matter. It's like when you are dumping, my, this is my bias, it's like the more and more that you dump into paid or it's like you can be, you yeah. can fall too far into the like paying for your, you know, overpaying for people that were going to do business with you anyways, right? Yeah. If you had if you had engaged them in, in those other formats. Yep, I agree 100%. All right, well, that's it. That's all we got for today. For our listeners, go check out Circante. We'll link it up in the show notes. If you need any help at all, with Salesforce marketing automation, with Pardot or Pardo for those for those not uh, Pardo. <laughs> I know I have a I have a limited edition Pardot puppies stickers from years ago, and I have a Pardot mug that says "Podcast Coffee Repeat" on it. <laughs> so lots of love for for Team Pardot or Marketing Cloud. Check out Circante. Aren't any any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, thanks for having me. It's a great event. I'm excited to see you guys throughout the week here at Dreamforce. Indeed, you too. Take care. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.